0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. Welcome! Here we are, St. Patty's Day. I don't know when this this podcast will air. But um, today is Saint Patrick's Day.
1: There's a lot of green going on in Annie's world right now. A lot of right green. <laughs>
0: I'm happy. I, I don't even know if I'm Irish. I, I mean, I'm a little bit. Um, kind of wanted to talk about, yeah, like how everybody's Irish on Saint Patrick's Day, and it's good. I took a DNA ancestry test and a couple of years ago, and it turns out I am predominantly Scottish. Really? Which turns out to be like a quarter, but then a quarter Italian, and then some of the like Baltic. Um, Baltic areas. So,
1: But today you're 100% Irish. Today
0: I'm 100% <laughs> Irish. So, so yeah, um, I guess my topic that I'd like to talk about is DNA and um, DNA testing. And, you know, some people are, they don't want to do it because they feel like they're contributing to some governmental database of, mm-hmm. you know, tracking and whatnot. And, but I know that it does help, you know, solve crimes. Um so where do you guys fall in that?
1: So the controversy is if you give your DNA over to...
0: The DNA ancestry people. Okay, oh, yeah. then,
1: th- then they'll be used in the future. That's kind of like a bigger question about just data in general, right? How much data... It's that trade-off of how much I'm willing to give. For a little... I maybe mean, it's a little different. For a, for a little while, I was saying, I'm not going to use Google because I know they're tracking all my data. I know they're... And then... I just want to get to point A to point B, so I'm going to use Google Net- Maps, and you know I want to act. So that's kind of the trade-off with all of this, right? So you're saying with DNA, yeah, I'm giving this information. I want to find out. I want to find out if I'm 100% Irish,
0: right? <laughs> which then- I am today.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> but are you? And the Matt. trade-off is: is this information going to be used against me?
0: Right, and I think that people are. You know they don't. They want to. They don't want to participate because they're afraid of that down the line.
1: So are you afraid of that?
0: No, I'm not. I I'd rather kind of know. You know, I I think it's I think it's fascinating um, how you know how many different parts of the world that my blood is you know from or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm fascinated with it. I don't find any.
1: Well, it's probably a good time to ask you, Matt. What do you think about? DNA tracking, do you are you willing to give over your information to an ancestry registry?
2: I feel like I'm a bad person to ask. I feel like I've seen enough like dystopian literature to know what's coming. You know, or Without like movies like, mm-hmm. it's happening, you know, we're all gonna become part of the government database. <laughs> At the same time, I hate filling out government forms so much that even if they just had us all in a database. And they could do it for us i would totally go for that
1: so like, you'd rather give it for ease you're more yeah i don't oh, for want... sure right
2: and then the, you know you're filling out like your your registration or, and you're filling out like the same form where do you live what is your name it's like i f- like for when you're doing your taxes you got to fill in all those blanks every time it's like i'm the same dude who do you think this is yeah. you know it's like i didn't suddenly move yeah. between now and 20 seconds ago when i was filling out the other form I'm I'm living at the same place. I'm the same person. So just put everything in one database. Mm-hmm. Give me a tracking chip. You know, <laughs> give me my daily dose of <laughs> nutrients and drugs. Send me on my way. I will gladly conform. Wow, interesting. Give it all to the government. They know what they're doing. Clearly, clearly.
1: Um, I, I think this is what brings it back to uh the, the question is, you know, when we're giving our data over to, to somebody, that do we trust them or not? Um, you know, when we give it over to a uh, a lot of times, you know, churches will ask, you know, what's your information? Let's put together. I know mean, we used to have uh, a picture directory in our church. Like, give them all their information, have a picture, and then we pass around. You know, this picture directory in our church. What's interesting um, is it still the Google's mission statement: do no harm or do no evil. I think I'd have to look that up. I don't know. Maybe our
0: we have yeah, we've got Nancy Thompson here today
1: <laughs> in the background. She can be our her upper. Yeah, she can. <laughs> be our fact checker on all this stuff. But um, it kind of goes back to who we're giving the information over to and do we trust them? And that's why I find, I continue to find so fascinating that in the first pages of the Bible, um, the big debate is who decides what's good and evil, who gets to eat from that tree and who do we give our information over to? Who gets to decide what's right and wrong, good or evil, um, good or bad. So, that's kind of the bigger question, isn't it? You know, I think we'd give our information over to somebody we trust. Like, you know, hey, here's my contact information. Call me sometime if we trust them. But then h- how much are we willing to give over? And then what's the trade-off? And do we trust them? And that's kind of the big thing.
2: Well, here's, a, okay. No one uses like yellow pages or like the big phone book anymore. What is that? Right. But that still <laughs> exists, right? There's a
1: data. Yeah. There's white pages online. online. You, can, like, you yeah. could
2: find someone's address and phone number, mm-hmm. right? Right if they lived in your well actually anywhere right
1: unless you go unlisted correct yeah and lots of people don't have landlines to actually have that information but yes
2: but like you know
1: like your address is listed somewhere
0: okay here we go nancy tell them tell the people
1: is it is it no longer or is it changed
0: nancy thompson was our our tech director kind of here at victory of the lamb so
1: okay google expert do, don't be evil. Um, okay. So, the original model was retained in in Google's code of conduct, um, April two thousand eighteen. The model was removed from the code of contact's preface and retained in the last sentence. Don't be evil. So I just think that's interesting. Uh, they're of like, evil. Yeah, they're yeah, making defi- the definition there. Boy, def- define what's evil. So we we know.
0: Are they evil for tracking all of our stuff?
1: No, because they can't be. It's they can't the, be evil see,
0: because it's in their code of conduct. On
2: on one hand, they're saying we're not going to be evil by your definition, but on the other hand, I feel like they're kind of setting the definition. They're saying mm. like, if we do it, it's not evil. You know, I think yeah, that's right.
1: that's been the debate, and that, that's why I kind of bring it up. Is you know, who are you willing to give your information over? Do you can you trust them? And we all claim that we're oh yeah, I'll I'll be good with it. I'll be fine. But that's I think that's why people are skeptical. You know, you're saying some people are skeptical about giving their ancestry information over because they don't always trust. But what, what does it matter?
2: I don't get the ancestry thing like that to to me, like, okay, maybe like your contact info and you're going to get scammed and you're going to get hundreds of emails and whatever telemarketers, I don't know. But what about your DNA is so vulnerable?
1: Well, I think any data can be used, uh, Lots of time used to either control, uh, used to, yeah, or used to uh, how, how they're going to push advertising, what they're not going to say, who they're going to exclude, who they're going to focus on. Um, data can be used in so many different ways intentionally um, more than you think and more than I think. So I I think there's a reason to be skeptical. Uh, it's just whether you trust them. Now you think about the positive thing, like, yeah, crimes have been solved.
0: Families have been connected. Families been connected. Well, and they, they do even warn you, like when you submit or you're you're ordering, you know, they say this is potentially going to cause problems. Like mm-hmm. you, you assume the risk that you're gonna find out some familial secrets, yeah. and you know. And I know when we did it, we we found some people that mm-hmm. you know it was kind of like whoa. So I think there's probably a shocker yeah. in every every person's story. So
1: I know uh
2: take the moral of the story is just take the blue pill (laughs) just (laughs) just take the blue pill eat the steak it's good just just stay ignorant
1: Uh, that's that's kind of where we're at i think you know i i do think there a re. i a i'm not sure when it comes to this specific situation but i'm getting more and more hesitant uh to give over more and more information, although it's all out there already, uh, piles and piles of information, just how much it's being used. And I don't always know who's using it and what they're using it for. I just want to be more knowledgeable about how I'm being-
0: Manipulated? Ra- yeah, or
1: how I'm being, uh, you know, uh, advertised to how I'm go- how I'm being uh, influenced. I guess that's the word influence, mm-hmm. you know, just be more cognizant of influence.
2: A couple of years ago, or maybe last year, I'm not sure. A while ago um i went with my friend to the store he was gonna like buy a either a bed or a mattress or something like that and so we're just standing in the store and he's like googling the prices for like mattresses Mm -hmm. and we're talking about i think mattresses and when i get home i look at my phone and there's ads for mattresses which i've never gotten Mm -hmm. before right i'm like i'm i'm honestly impressed you know scary a little bit but also impressive i mean
1: yeah, and I, I guess that that's why I bring back that idea of the the tree of knowledge of good and evil, um, of is that who's in, who gets to decide what's evil? You know, don't do evil, don't be evil. Uh, that's what Google says. They're, they're not gonna. But it, do we really agree with whatever institution or whatever organization who has that much power? Do we really always agree their definition of good and evil? Um, and I think that's what makes that original story so fascinating is that is really the issue who, who gets to decide what's right and wrong. And are we willing to give them our allegiance?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. It's good.
1: Ready to go on our next topic? Yeah. All right. So, uh, someone came up to, to to us and, and said, Oh, like in the podcast. And I said, Oh, well, what are some topics that you are interested in? And, uh, she said, well, you know, I, I really struggle with, uh, Relationships with with people of different value systems. You know, I'm. She says I'm a Christian, and do I do I have Christ, non-Christian friends? And if I do have non-Christian friends, you know, what are the standards of those friendships? Um, do I hold them to the same level uh, of accountability? Uh, do I expect the same kind of morals out of them? Um, should I be actively seeking people who have different value systems than I have? So I thought those are really good question. Um, you know talking about how do you navigate a world, especially as as Christians become more and more the minority. Um, so what do you guys think? How would you answer her? Um, how would you navigate relationships with people who have different value systems? And then how do you you know, what kind of uh you know how do you hold them accountable or, or do is there any accountability is there any um how, how do you judge them in the right sense? Like that that what standards do you do you judge them by? Um yeah, what do you think?
0: I think for me A friendship is something that is mutually beneficial. Okay. So, um, you know, support, um, regardless of, you know, what faith they belong to or what they, um, Mm -hmm. what their affinity is. But the, um, so I think to me, it doesn't necessarily matter what faith they are, Okay. as long as, you know, we're. Getting along, we can maybe have some tough discussions. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a mutual respect and an exchange of ideas. Mm -hmm. So for me, I guess, I mean, I I do have a lot of friends who are not Christian. I have a lot of friends who differ from me politically. Um, A lot of those people, though, are also were bound by music. So to me, music kind of surpasses all of that.
1: So Um, there is some sort of core value that you still agree on or still have in common.
0: Yes. I don't know if it's possible to be complete. Completely, uh, you got to be bound by something. Okay, you know. So, yeah. I, I guess that's
1: the question. Yeah, what, what, what bond? What, what, kind of bonds do you have? And what, what kind of brings you together if you don't share the same you the know?
0: common ground? Maybe, maybe you guys, you know, serve together at the homeless shelter. Or maybe you, you know, you can just get together and chit chat, mm-hmm. um, provide support to one another, or you know, who, no- who knows? I think it's good to have people, you know, friends from all walks of life, if yeah. you can.
1: I'm part of uh, the, the cult of CrossFit uh, where that is, that's definitely, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, we we only talk about CrossFit and I could tell, you want me to talk, you know, and you know, somebody is in CrossFit if they tell you they're in right. CrossFit. Right, yeah, what's the joke? How do you know? Do you <laughs> don't know worry, they'll tell in- you. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of, you know, we don't know much about each other, but we do push each other when we're there and, and there is more stuff that, that goes on outside of, yeah, outside of just the gym, but there is a lot of encouragement and, uh, you know, you hear what people are going through personally or maybe in, in, in life. And so that, that does kind of bring us together. What do you think, Matt? How, how do you navigate friendships with people of different value systems or, or background?
2: I don't, that, that to me is a tough one. And I find two, two thoughts came to mind was one is, well, if you um, if your goal is to share your faith, share mm-hmm. the truth with people should you seek out intentionally Mm -hmm. friendships with other people my my other thought um was i almost feel like i'm working harder around people um who have different faith or if i don't know if you go to church i'm going to try extra hard to make a good impression and Mm -hmm. hold the door and be really polite and ask about your day you know Mm -hmm. and so people you know so you can um just so that you can um you know, brighten up someone's day or, or mm-hmm. putting on a front, putting on a front. I mean, it feels like <laughs> that. Cause then when you're with your Christian friends, it's like, Oh, I can relax, I can, you know, whatever. That's I don't always have to be nice and, and friendly. And I feel all the, the opposite. <laughs> really? Okay. What do you mean?
0: Well, I guess I just feel like I'm held to a higher standard a little bit when mm. I'm around my, my Christian folk, you know, uh-huh. um, that's interesting. Like they kind of keep me in check a little bit. Okay. You know,
1: well, I think one of the things that I'm—it's challenging for me, and I need to do a better job of this. I, you know, I'm around so many Christian people just with the work that we do. You know, uh, around our staff and around our church members, and then around uh, help out a Christian school or with coaching and things like that. So you're around Christians all the time. So intentionally, maybe just being outside, that just for lots of reasons to just be engaged in the community and, and things like that. Um, I think, yeah, Matt, you know, if I'm honest, I think I agree with you that sometimes you, you know, we're told to evangelize and, and things like that. And, and so sometimes you you wonder, how much am I doing this just because I love this person or because I'm trying to show a good, maybe a good Christian witness or maybe build that relationship to invite them to, you know, participate in some kind of Christian service or something. So that's a that's a check, right? And I think Jesus talks about it so much, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew five through seven, where Jesus talks about, you know, don't do your good works to be seen by people. If you do, that's as much of a reward as you'll get. You know, don't do this announcing with trumpets. So I think that is a is a is a real good check for our conscience. Uh, one thing I find is interesting when Paul was writing in the Corinthians, in first Corinthians chapter five, he says this. He says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immor- immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or a greedy and idolater or slanderer, drunker or swindler. Do not even eat with such a person. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside, expel the wicked person among you. So, this is really interesting. Obviously, Paul is not saying that only immoral people are outside the church and the people inside the church are are the ones who are moral, uh, because he spent the whole letter uh, talking about all the the immoral things that are going on inside of the Corinthian church. But what I find is interesting is. He's not saying you can't associate with people who are sexually immoral or, or have different value systems or different morality. he says if you would if you would make that your standard we'd have to leave the world you wouldn't be able to do anything you wouldn't be able to talk to anybody if you tried to h- hold everybody to a Christian standard uh, because they don't it's not even on their radar they, they don't uh, um, it's not even something they're think, thinking about. In fact he says what business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? What do you think about that? That question, you know, he says, "What business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church?" I know, I remember sharing that with a group of college students, and they felt such a relief uh, because you know they were a lot of these students had grown up in, in Christian grade schools, Christian high schools, and now they're put in a public college, and there's all these different value systems that they're not familiar with, and, and it's totally rocking their world, and they thought I got to go fix everybody and I got to go judge everybody and tell them why they're morally wrong and this one verse said it's not my job they're they're uh to go around and judge everyone outside the church but if you do call yourself a Christian and you do say that you believe in Jesus and you do say you believe the Bible is true well now we have some common ground to say I want to hold you accountable to what you say you believe so I don't know what do you guys think about that the, maybe the relief of recognizing we don't need to fix the whole world, but then the, the the reality of accountability within fellow Christians say, hey, you say you're a Christian. Um, I, I'm not saying I don't struggle with this either. You know, like Jesus says, first take the plank out of your own eye and then take the saw, speck of sawdust out of your neighbor's eye. Um, but you, you want to hold your fellow Christians accountable to what they say they believe. So I don't know, what do you guys think about both of those ideas?
2: I think that the, The first half of that, um, how does that not, like how, um, so if you're, if you're, if you're not going to, if you're not going to go out and you're not going to tell people, you know, if you're not going to accuse unbelievers of their sin, basically, Mm -hmm. how do you, how do you approach the topic without doing what I was talking about earlier, where now you have to, okay. I'm not going to tell you what you're doing wrong, but I need to try extra hard to do what's right. Mm -hmm. I need to try extra hard to be a a good example of a Christian witness Mm -hmm. because that will maybe lead you to ask about it or that will lead you to question what you're doing or wonder, oh, what is my faith like that I'm always so encouraging and hopeful?
0: (laughs) That's you.
1: (laughs) To a (laughs) T. So you're saying... How do you not judge the world? How do you evangelize without judging the world? Is that kind of the basic what, question? What
2: do you do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. like then now, you now you, if you're, I don't know, it's like, if you're not willing to talk to them about hard topics and saying, well, this is why I believe what you're doing is wrong, mm-hmm. then, then really what it comes down to is you doing what's right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Extra hard.
1: Yeah. I don't. I don't think evangelism is only pointing out what people are doing wrong, right?
2: No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. But how do you lead? Pe- what I mean, I don't know. I guess it comes down to the, a point of like, how do you start a conversation with somebody? Um, or 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 do, or do they have to ask you mm-hmm.
0: about what about church about ch- or what?
2: Uh, sure, about church, about faith. I don't, I don't know. know. They don't believe. Let's just say they don't believe anything. So
1: it seems like so many of the, the situations in Scripture are through the Christian witness of their life. Um, so we have at the end of Mark's Gospel where Jesus is giving up his life and the way he died, uh, saying, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. And you have this Roman centurion, this soldier who says, surely this was the Son of God. And so I think the, the Christian witness has a lot, to do what we we do in secret, who we really are. Uh, And then I also think um, how Peter talks about it, um, you know, always be ready. In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord and always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have and do this with gentleness and respect. So I think that's always be ready um, when the opportunity comes, but it doesn't mean you need to force your faith on somebody. Also, in this context he's talking about one of the, one of the ways to carry out christian discipline is if a, a fellow christian is saying uh, yeah i i beat my wife but i she deserves it and and you say you can't say that if you're a christian you don't you, you can't do that well she, you know i i i only did it once and it's not that big of a deal and she, she deserved it you go and talk to that person privately, and if they don't, they don't listen. Then you bring someone from the church, and if that they don't listen, then you treat them as if they don't exist. You, 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 really, there is a, a kind of a a biblical way of of disassociating, of shunning, saying you're not, you're not part of, you can't call yourself part of this Christian group, and so that's in the context of what he's saying, and he's saying if you went around holding everybody to that standard uh, that wasn't a Christian, you wouldn't be able to associate with anyone. So I think that's kind of the idea. There's a time as Christians where we stop associating with someone who calls themselves a Christian if they're not living out the Christian life. But I'll still associate with unbelievers uh, because I'm not under that same kind of relationship. So I don't know if it has to do necessarily with evangelism as much as how do i interact with with people
0: and i think that's the biggest thing like i feel like i have a lot of i know a lot of people i've been stunned with the amount of opportunities lately within the last like 2 weeks mm. that people are asking me about church mm-hmm. or saying they would like to come mm-hmm. or even last night i i had run into a, somebody that i knew and haven't seen for a couple years since before the pandemic started and um, this is a transgendered individual mm-hmm. and, um, she called last night and was like, you know, what's up, you know, mm-hmm. how, what are you doing these days? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm doing church stuff and, oh, well, I'd, I'd like to come check that out, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, cool. Like, you're welcome. You know, God loves all people. Yeah. She says, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, Jesus died for everyone, you know? And so just the amount of opportunities that have come. To me, being able to share, mm-hmm. I've shared, you know, the sermon that you gave, was that last week already? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think it's about people. It's about relationships. It's about being able to get down to some hard topics. And I feel like I, I enjoy talking about hard topics mm-hmm. with, with people, with random people even.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, we can get down to that real quick, yeah. you know, so I, I enjoy it. Really I learned good. about life through other people. So
1: that's really, really good. Any thoughts here from Nancy? No. All right. It was good to have. Nancy's going to IKEA. <laughs> I guess that that is what I find so helpful with the message of Christianity is we all have something in common with people outside of the Christian church. We're all sinners. We all struggle with something even after you become a Christian. And so you you have you have something in common. We're we're, we're people who struggle we're people who go through suffering we're people who don't have it all together so we have that the thing that we probably don't have in common is that that eternal hope that message of complete forgiveness apart from our performance and uh complete acceptance in Jesus christ not because of anything that's in us uh and so we have a lot more in common with 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 just being human beings than we think and to be able to to be able to to and then to not be surprised when when yeah when our values are challenged. So so to this person who brought up that question, I guess I just think encouragement to yeah foster those relationships. Don't feel the pressure that you have to fix this person. Mm-hmm. You know, allow for Jesus to to come to the to to come into the conversation naturally, and then let Jesus change this person's heart. And then uh, you know you can work on all the other what, what it looks like that ongoing. Uh, new life we have in Jesus. So
0: And I also want to mention though, if if, you know, our, our person here is, is dealing with somebody who is difficult or that yeah. they need to set boundaries with, sure. oh, you yeah. don't have to feel bad about setting boundaries with somebody and distancing yourself from that person, Christian or not. Right. Um, you know, it, it you, you're not required to take somebody under your wing that you're not comfortable with or yeah. that you're um You know feeling responsible for and you don't you don't have to feel that way like you can set boundaries with people and that's okay
1: oh yeah yeah that's really good that's a whole nother conversation right where where you know emotional wisdom i i continue i I just started this class last night and i've talked about on this podcast but i find that those categories in donna miller's book here on a mission be so helpful um is a person being a victim a villain a hero or a guide and if someone's always playing the victim card, uh, you know, life's always horrible. Everyone's out to get me and you can't help them through that. Sometimes you do have to distance yourself mm-hmm. from that. And especially if they're a villain, if they're if they're looking to control you or manipulate you, um, that you you got to be wise enough to, to separate yourself from that. But if it's somebody who's truly trying to struggle and is open to, uh, you know, encouragement or, or change or just is not trying to use you or hurt you or bring you down. Um, yeah, then that's the kind of person you want to invest in. Yeah question yes for
2: maybe for clarification <clears throat> what does it mean um what uh, what does it mean doing things in private uh, right in terms of don't don't basically don't look for don't look for public glory but your he- mm-hmm. heavenly father will, will reward you for what you do in secret or what yeah. you do in private yeah
1: that is such a paradox because uh at the beginning of that sermon on the mount The kind of the theme of the Sermon on the Mount is, let your light shine before people so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So that's the theme of the whole sermon. He says, be salt and light in the world. And then Jesus goes on to say, don't do your acts of righteousness before people to be seen by them, or else you'll get no reward from your Father in heaven.
0: It's intention-based. Okay. Right? Like, is it my intention to be seen? Mm -hmm. Or is it my intention to be a light yeah, like
1: but what's good. the difference your motives right
0: right yeah right I mean like I'm doing this to be seen so that other people can see how wonderful I am and God can see how wonderful I am and
2: but, but where's the line because you you are doing it to well be it's seen. it's let
0: la- it's in it's disingenuous right like I think if you're if you're I, just being a light because that's who you are you're trying to be yeah. like because you want to be because of Jesus and whatever, like that's, it's a more genuine thing than I think, try, it's like a try hard. But you do want to
2: be be that way anyway. If you want to, you do want to be seen as someone who is generous and charitable. But not for yourself. Forgiving. What's the difference? You do want to be seen that way.
0: Yes. As a representative of Jesus, as a rep, not for myself, not because I want people to see me and say, "Oh, Annie's so wonderful! Oh, look at her do this, this, this." No, I'm I, am an ambassador for someone else. So that's how I see it. Is that that's very good? Does that make sense?
2: But then it, but then it almost feels like you're not being yourself because you're doing it on someone else's behalf.
1: I think the difference is. Uh, I'm reading a great book called Vocation by Michael Berg, and he's he's he makes this point that and some people ascribe this to luther but i think he ascribed it to another lutheran theologian saying god doesn't need your good works your neighbor does in the sense where your relationship with god is safe and secure and if you're still trying to build up your identity like proving that you're a real christian or proving who you are you're 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 doing it out of a lack you are you're lacking something and you're hoping that doing this good deed or helping somebody or letting or getting another person into the kingdom of heaven or whatever is going to put another credit in your account and if you're you're doing that from a place of insecurity that's that intention but if you're completely cer- secure in Christ I have nothing to prove I have nothing to gain I have nothing to lose I actually just really want to open this door for this person mm-hmm. I actually just I I don't have this I'm not coming from a place of lack, but from a place of abundance and thankfulness, then I, and and you can kind of feel it, right? Like if somebody's like really kind of, and if, when we do that, you know, if, if we're really kind of fishing for compliments, like then we're coming from a place of lacking, like that we need to be acknowledged. But if we do it just because we love people, uh, because we're already safe and secure, then I think it is, it's a different motivation.
2: I think I think that's a great answer. I think I think maybe we can break it up just a little bit, though, um, just because it's real it's. I think it's easier said than done. Oh yeah. And 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 I think on, in your personal journey of faith, sometimes you feel very secure, and sometimes you feel like right. I'm a second class Christian, or sometimes you're questioning your faith. Yep. Period. Um, and I I also think I I don't know I just I think it's I think it's just I think it's I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe we can talk more about just how do you feel secure in your identity with Christ when at the same time you have to acknowledge that if I were to, quote, be myself, it would be a lot uglier than that, you know? And so right. it's like you are kind of working harder, and as Christians we're sort of, I feel like we're kind of called to work harder. I mean that's the whole gist of that verse which is that Christians are you should hold Christians to a higher standard.
1: Yeah, I I think it it you're you're very right that we're not always feeling we don't always feel secure. And I think that's why worship is so important to come weekly here again, take the sacrament, be reminded of, you know, that's why it's so important for parents to love and hug their kids. You know, because they they the kids need to know that they are secure. And if they if, if, if things aren't secure at home and they don't have like a secure base, I think they even found that. In and in, I'm not a child psychologist, obviously, but they found like a healthy kid, uh, like if, if a parent is in a room or at a playground, a healthy kid will go off and play and be able to look back and know that, you know, the parents are there. And so they can play without. Uh, being afraid, but if if it's an insecure relationship, you know, the, the kid doesn't want to leave the parent's side. They're afraid that the parent is going to leave. Um, they don't have that that freedom to just live, and I think that's that's kind of what I'm saying is once when you come from a place of security that God loves me, God accepts me, I'm not trying so hard to build up my identity, but it is it is a, a daily battle, and I think that's why Paul says, you know, or, and that's why Jesus says, Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Because you're right. If I would just be myself, yeah, my inner self is not that great. It's selfish. It's self-centered. Uh, Paul talks about I've crucifi- I'm, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith. So it is a daily crucifying of the old uh, selfish, sinful nature, denying yourself, picking up your cross. Um, I also feel like suffering helps. When you suffer... It kind of, uh, and you realize how dependent you are on Christ. It kind of takes away a need to self-promote and to think you're that special or that needed, anyways. But when you suffer, you you recognize, man, God, I need God, and I have Him, and now I can just love people. So I don't know if that helps. <laughs> He's thinking. He's thinking. What do you think, Annie?
0: Uh, I don't know. I was I was waiting for Matt to respond.
1: Okay.
2: I yeah I mean I I guess, I guess again uh, um, I feel like in theory that's that's really good yeah you know it's just it's just I think it's just really hard to do in the moment mm-hmm. right and to actually live that out.
1: Have you have experiences where you felt secure in Christ? I'm just you know I think I have too and it, it's not always there but yeah
2: yeah. In, are you asking secure in, I guess both so yeah. so sure, um, but yeah I I guess I guess. My my biggest question is like, it feel sometimes it feels disingenuous, and especially when I'm talking with people who don't um, believe the same things I believe, and I feel like I'm putting on, I feel like I'm putting on a front, mm-hmm. which is not a good way to connect with people. Period. Right. But at the same time, it's like I need to be a good Christian witness, right. because I need this person to think to themselves wow, Christians, they have a different way of looking at life, and maybe that's something I'm interested in, you know, just what I feel like we were kind of taught to do.
1: Yeah, you're right, and I think that's the battle to just really live out of the security of Christ. Um, I love C.S. Lewis, and maybe I've shared it before here, is that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. So all that self in, you know, that self intros, introspection and, and and and, you know, just totally focused on how am I doing and and and, how am I measuring up and how are people seeing me, that neuroticism is unhealthy spiritually and emotionally. And the more last night in the class, one one thing that was really interesting, we were talking about what does it look like to be a hero, and we were looking at Galatians five and six, and somebody said in the class. A hero is never is always outward focused. They love something bigger than themselves. They love people bigger than themselves. They almost forget themselves. There's a self-forgetfulness, and so I think anytime we get in that self analyzation that's when it probably goes wrong.
0: I, yeah, that makes sense to me. And I think Matt, you know, if not everybody is equipped or gifted to to be a people person Mm -hmm. you know what I'm you know what I mean so like I don't think people should feel bad if they're like not a people person and it just doesn't come natural like there's there's that's I would say a gift Mm -hmm. you know like so I mean that's not anything I don't think anybody should feel bad about
1: I I think for a long time we put a lot of pressure on people to evangelize like every sermon kind of ended and now go tell your neighbor, you know, and now go bring someone to church. And I think we're in a world right now where it looks a lot like our world missions used to be where in world missions, you know, a a so-called normal or successful church might be, you've been there three years and you have 10 people in your church because you've had relationships with these people for three years and now they're ready to listen to you. Mm -hmm. And what we've had in the United States as lots of people who grew up nominally Christian, and so you kind of just needed to bump them into the Christian church with, a you know a, a good service or a you know a program or whatever. But I think now our country is looking a lot more like world missions used to be. Um, in a way, I think it's almost easier to grow a church in Asia and some of the other places where people are really hungry. Now you just have to have a longer conversation. You are talking about the friend you're speaking with. I mean, that's going to be a long conversation. That is not going to be, hey, come to church. Oh, you believe all this stuff? Great. Now let's be on the same page with everything. It's going to be years of a relationship. And so I think that takes the pressure off too, where I don't have, hopefully this person sees who I am over a period of years, me and my ups and downs and my my good days and bad days and when I'm a strong Christian, when I'm not. And still, I'm able to point them to Jesus. So I guess take the pressure off and that's what I love about this verse. What business is my? What business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? I don't have to fix the whole world, even my friend, but I can be a friend over over a long period of time.
0: And then you can get you know really good friends where you know, I've got a good friend who's not a Christian and we are constantly checking one another. Yeah. you know so I'm like, well, do you think that was out of order And he'll be like, well, what you know, were you right here, you know, kind of thing, and and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, mm-hmm.
1: very good, Matt. What do you? What's on your mind? Um, so
2: beautiful segue into my topic, by the way. Okay. Um, so what I was thinking and have been thinking about for a while is, um. A- approaching the topic of, of homosexuality, basically, mm-hmm. and. To, to me,
1: mm-hmm.
2: God, God gives you like the cheat sheet for life mm-hmm. in the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. These things are hard, but they make your life better. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's really easy to say, you shall not steal. Oh, mm. we, I believe that too. You shall not murder. Mm-hmm. I believe that too.
1: Right. You
2: shall not be in a homosexual relationship. Why not? Mm-hmm. Well, cuz god says it's wrong okay well i don't believe in god mhm or god says it's wrong no he doesn't well mm-hmm. sure okay that's in the old testament mm-hmm. so I, i'm it's really good cuz a lot of a lot of uh, uh, a significant piece of the church has condoned it too
1: yeah yeah this is a a challenging topic. We didn't topic. even get a heads up on
0: this. <laughs> Thanks, Matt.
1: <laughs> this is an important topic for so many different reasons. And I think, um, we've been, we were going through a sermon series on the 10 commandments. And I think that's so much of, of, of the 10 commandments is, but why God, or who says, who says this is wrong? And if it feels good, why, how could this be wrong? If it feels good, wh- why not? And it feels right. um, I think one of the places to begin is acknowledging the significant challenge with this. It's significant, you know.
0: I would argue it's the the most, in my opinion. Yeah, it. it
1: I, you're right. right, and you know, we all have natural desires for things that we're that that we have to fight with all the time. This one, though, is is so deep because it has to deal with relationships, uh, you know, lifelong relationships or, um, so one of the guys that, that, that has helped me think through this, a guy named Scott Barefoot, uh, he, he lived the homosexual lifestyle for, I don't know, 12 years, and uh, he couldn't find anyone to tell him why he shouldn't do it, why he shouldn't be living this lifestyle, and uh, he did, he, he uh, got HIV, and then he started really questioning it more like, okay, and when speaking with him uh you know he he was really clear that like it's wrong-headed to try to figure out why this happens i think for so long the christians have tried to they see that it's it's clear in scripture that this is not how god uh is designed for relationships but then they start trying to say well it's because of this psychological issue or this thing and and there was a time where it was in the um whatever the the dm the 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 book for disorders right uh back i think 70s or 80s it was and i got taken out and i think he would just say it was wrong headed it's wrong headed to try to figure out why um because that That that's not helpful, and there there hasn't been any reason, any answer that people have this natural desire for for these different lifestyles. Um. Then the question is: Is this what God really wants for me? Is this how God uh, has set up the world? And first, start with Jesus. And if you really believe in Jesus, then uh, then this is going to take a long time to try to figure out what God wants for me in my life. The most helpful book that I've read on this is Rosario Champagne Butterfield's book, uh, secret thoughts of an unlikely convert. Have you heard of that book?
2: Mm-mm. No, mm, maybe, but not much. You should okay. explain it.
1: She's wonderful. Uh, it's just an amazing book. Uh, she grew up, uh, she was baptized Catholic, but then, uh, started living a, a lesbian lifestyle, uh, became a tenured professor at Syracuse University and then taught queer theory, and uh, wrote a lot of the, helped write some of the legislation for, uh, for uh, gay rights and things like that. And she wrote an article against the religious right who was um, boycotting a gay parade in, the, in, the, uh, in New York and they were, they were holding up signs and everything. And so she wrote an, a piece in the newspaper, uh, an editorial piece, opinion article, and, and she got all this hate mail and fan mail. And so she had these clear boxes that she put hate mail and fan mail into these these clear baskets. And then she got a, an, a piece of mail that she didn't know which basket to put in, and it was from a Reformed pastor. And this pastor, I think his name was Ken, uh, and his wife... They became. They started a conversation, and they, over a two-year period, they had a friendship. They walked each other's dogs. They they made bread for each other. They they uh, hung out. They had these. They just spent a lot of time together, and over time, she was convinced that Jesus is the Messiah and he's true. And she she walked away, um, not. Easily, you know, she ca- talked about herself as being a reluctant convert in lots of different ways, but it was over that relationship over two years uh, that she ended up leaving that lifestyle, leaving her tenured position, uh, later ended up actually marrying a, another Presbyterian pastor and then started adopting children, which is not, she would not say is, is uh, common or, or, or the goal. It's not, the goal is not to be in a heterosexual relationship. Uh, but I found her work to be so helpful and thoughtful on both sides because she is so gracious to people on on both sides of this issue.
2: What is the name of that book again?
1: Uh, it's called "Secret Thoughts of an Unlikely Convert" by Rosaria Champagne Butterfield, okay. and she uh, she's written quite a few books. Actually, um, she she's written another book. Uh, the Gospel Comes with the House Key. And in that book, she talks about how much she learned about hospitality from her gay community. And and they would always meet together and hang out and they became a family. And she said, you know, the, the gay community is so much better at hospitality than we are. Mm-hmm. And so, they, uh, so she tries to carry that into her Christian uh, life now. And, uh, you know, that if we're really going to, Say people need to leave these relationships. Are we there as a church to actually be there for them so that they have close uh, relationships and 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 the kind of help? So, yeah, I I don't know if I don't know if that's a clear answer, but those are some of the things that have been helpful for me as I, I talk about. It. And I think it is it is like you said the ch- most challenging topic.
2: Yeah, I guess I guess where I struggle is, um because there, you know, I think there are kind of ways that Christians have looked into the Bible and just um, interpreted things differently. Mm -hmm. And they'd say, um, well, sex is a gift of God. Mm -hmm. Why would God create you a certain way Mm -hmm. that is purely designed for you to struggle? Mm -hmm. Why would he say, this is how you are and it's wrong? You know, and, and it's different than like, someone who struggles with theft Mm -hmm. because
0: you can correct that. Yeah. that I mean, that's very clearly
2: hurting somebody else. And it's like, you know, um, you're doing harm to your neighbor there, but it's like, if you're in a consensual homosexual relationship, like this is what I want. Mm -hmm. We can be Christians. Why? Well, we still go to church. We can still be salt and light in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, We can still serve in church Mm -hmm. you know who
0: is it hurting who
2: is it yeah who is it hurting this is this is a lot of sin this is our life people right you know and it's like and it's like yeah i I guess i it it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like there's a clear reason why it's wrong
1: Mm -hmm. you know i think that that's kind of what scott barefoot who was talking about before and he, he speaks pretty publicly uh on this and he'll He's been speaking all over, kind of our church body on the subject. That's why he says it's that's probably not the best place to go is to try to figure out why. Always, um, I think you could come up with a list of ways that it's it's not good for, and and it's hard for me to even say this for for many reasons because it's so countercultural to even say this out loud. But for the nuclear family, uh, 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 the idea of a of a of what God calls a family. Um, also, uh, you know, what is it? Is this how the human body was designed? You know, is, is that, is, is there something you you use the word designed? Is there something maybe my desires are, are going against it, but is there something when it comes to how the, the human body is designed, is it designed for the homosexual lifestyle or not? Uh, so that, but I guess I I don't know if that's even helpful uh, to go down all those different roads. Um, well,
2: and is the human body
1: designed for you to be single? Right. Ooh. That's the other thing too. Right. Oh, yeah. Thanks. And and th- and there are. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about that. You know, well, he, you're right. In the beginning, it says uh, it's not good for man to be alone. Right. So that's not that's not good, and that's why companionship is so very very important. So, again, I. I do think this is one of the most challenging topics out there, and I think uh, what I've tried to tell people is I don't have all the answers, but I will walk with you as long as you let me, and you can always talk to me. I, I try to say it, especially to our young teens that are I always try to say it, and whenever I bring this topic up, um, hey, this is going to be a lifelong uh, struggle. Uh, i'll be here as long as you let me and 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 we'll walk through this together and i'll keep learning and let's learn learn about this together so i think that's i don't think there's a quick like you said with stealing or 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 some of these other things there's a quick easy answer and and i don't want to trivialize this and because maybe i could give an answer but that doesn't necessarily take the pain or the struggle away or 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 make it easier right
2: so um working in a church yeah Let's say, okay, well, let's say, I mean, let's say that I quit or let's say that yeah. someone was in my position or in yeah. Annie's, but whatever. Yeah. And they, maybe they, you they go through, I don't know, the interview, the hiring process yeah. and you discover that they're gay mm-hmm. or yeah. Well, okay. Well, let's start there. Let's start there. So
0: mm-hmm. is my, my response, I guess.
2: So, is so, it, so, so do we. Is that okay? Because at the same time, what if they're li- living in that open homosexual mm-hmm. lifestyle? Do you ask them to not be part of the church, sort of
1: First Corinthians style? Well, so yeah, First Corinthians, in that, in that section right there, he says, you know, those living, yeah, these different lifestyles, and he does mention homosexuality. Um, he says, that's what some of you were. That used to identify. This is the core. This is only who I am. This right. is all. This is all I am. I'm. And he mentions in there drunkenness, and uh, I could look up the whole verse there. But it's it's. He mentions a bunch of stuff: swindler, drunkenness, uh, adulterous, And this is how you identify yourself. And I guess that's the. It's a much larger conversation, a longer conversation. But are you the kind of person who says, "This is who I am. Uh, deal with it." and this is my core identity or Hey, let's keep, let's keep this, let's keep talking about this and, and find ways. Uh, yeah. If you call yourself a Christian, do you still live according to what God's word says?
0: Well, and I think too, um, I've had discussions Mm -hmm. with people about this. Um, you know, why, why is homosexuality at the forefront of somebody's identity? Um, you know, it's, Instead of saying, you know, I'm, I'm a child of God first, mm-hmm. I'm a brother, I'm a dog owner, I'm a taxpayer, mm-hmm. I'm an employee, and at the very bottom of the list, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm heterosexual, I'm homosexual, whatever. And it's at the forefront of the, that community's identity mm-hmm. because of the oppression that has preceded it. And so as a result, it's almost kind of a lashing out of like yes like we've mm. been oppressed for so long like kind of in your face you know mm-hmm. so to me it is about identity um and and yeah where where does that you know are you putting that at the forefront of your identity yeah. and i don't think i don't think it needs to be right you know but that but i'm i'm also not struggling with that so i don't know what it's like to have been oppressed for mm-hmm. so long or have to be afraid to tell people or worried Mm -hmm. that my parents aren't going to love me Mm -hmm. or I'm going to lose friends or family members or be kicked out of church as Mm -hmm. you know we Mm -hmm. met that that waitress you know Ben. Mm -hmm. um so it's not an easy
1: right and I guess so that that's why what I've said is I don't think it's a quick conversation like let's let's put the brakes on this and let's let's have a let's talk about this over a long period of time i think once a person kind of just totally gives in and and this dump does become a core part of your identity then it really is challenging to ever kind of work through it or struggle with it or or find find uh support um if it does become a core identity i think that's that that does is a harder part of the conversation um I know Time of Grace has also done a lot of good I probably, you know, need to do more work on trying to, to, to listen more and learn more uh from both sides of this. But I, I know there was a there's been quite quite a few good books that were that have come out. Um oh, I can't remember her name right now. Um Gay Girl Good God. Gay Girl Good God is another one. She's a oh why can't I keep talking I will find the reference (laughs) right now
0: yeah um but yeah I mean I I guess in my head it's like all right well Jesus died for all people so (laughs) I I, you know I don't know I guess maybe that's too easy of an answer but yeah Jackie
1: Hill Perry's the name of the author and she so that's another one where I just I, I need to read that book as well and just listen uh but she, she's an amazing performer, uh, artist, uh, seen her, uh, give, uh, speak and, and, and live poetry, but, uh, I, I, I really do think it comes down to identity. How do I identify myself? Uh, is this my core identity? Is this, is this the, 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 the deepest part of who I am or is there something even deeper than this? So, yeah.
0: And that could be said, I mean, that could be said about anybody really, right. um, Putting their identity, you know, if I identify, I'm a performer, that's mm-hmm. it. You know, mm-hmm. that's my identity. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm more like, I'm a child of God
1: first. Yeah, and what happens if that performer goes away? Right. Right? If, right. if I, I can't perform anymore right. on stage. Then and, I have
0: and, nothing to fall back on. So, right. I yeah. I, so, I, I think we can all have a case of mistaken identity, right. you know, and putting things... Before, because I think Child of God is first.
1: That's really good.
2: So, uh, what's the answer to the question?
0: You are putting us through the <laughs> ringer, <our> bruh! <laughs> bruh!
2: I think. What What, what do you do mm-hmm. in the case of someone who is like, let's just say, in a position of leadership in the church? Yeah. Because it's in First Corinthians. Mm-hmm. There's that the passage you read, and there's the passage. There's a, there's a man who's sleeping with his father's wife. Yeah you talk to him yeah then you have to expel him yeah well
1: uh what does that mean to take out you know to be outside of the church if, if if somebody they're closing that door right saying no this is who I am this is my core identity um and at the core of all of this is love i mean Jesus, even though he he did continue to go to those who are outside of the church, uh, some you know I think about the woman at the well in in uh, John chapter four. Uh, yes, this person was outside of the church. She was outside of the community. She was outside of the the religious community too. She was even wasn't even getting water at the normal times of day because uh, she was excluded. And yet there was still um, Jesus was still seeking her out. And that is the ultimate goal is reconciliation. So, yeah, he does expel the wicked person. Uh, he says that the the man who was sleeping with his stepmother, basically. But. Ew. Okay. You know, that was that was what was going on. Yeah. But then second Corinthians, he follows up by saying, now restore that person and uh, because there had been some repentance there had been some kind of so I think keeping the door open keeping the conversation open uh keeping the relationship open even if maybe say uh yeah maybe right now uh this person you know we, we've had pastors who've said you know I'm 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 gonna live there was a pastor who left his wife and started living uh, with a, another man and it was, You know, he was no longer a pastor. He was no longer in leadership. Uh, But I know lots of people kept that door open to keep communicating and find ways to stay connected. So I guess that's what I would hopefully what I would do.
2: Yeah, I I think it's. I think it's hard because there's so many there's so many decent counter arguments Mm -hmm. of, okay, well, I see straight couples. They're fighting. They're mm-hmm. getting divorced. Right. They're not necessarily.
0: They're bad parents. They're, they're
2: bad parents. They're maybe not. They don't seem to be letting, let's say, their light shine. Right. Um. I can be just as good of a Christian. Mm-hmm. God made me this way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what do you what? It's like so hard to approach. It almost just seems like we're just like cl- clutching like this sort of old fashioned rule. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, it has to be that way because uh, that's what we believe. Yeah. And it's like, why everything ever, it seems like everything else we believe there's, there's, it seems like there's a really good tangible
1: reason for, you know,
0: this is so hard. Yeah. It,
1: yeah. It, it's, it, I mean, I guess, I guess that, um, I think that is a, a good, a good remind. that's something that Rosaria Champagne Butterfield says in her, in her book she just says all right if I'm going to give up my girlfriend what have you given up and if I'm going to be held to this standard what standard are you held to and, oh, and that's and, great and she and she found out as she talked to Christians like yeah I've lost this or I had to give this up or I've I have this struggle uh, and so maybe that's that was something that really impacted her she thought Oh everyone's got it easy except for me. You know, I'm the only one who's really got it hard. And uh and so she she you know, so I think there there is a uh a call to repentance to all the church, right? You know, if if Everyone. somebody Yeah, right. Yes. Right. If 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 if, if I'm going to give up my my thing that I'm struggling with, what are you giving up? And uh and to have those kind of conversations. So I think you're right. Yeah. I don't know if that helps or not, but that I think that's...
0: Ooh, I'm going to need a nap after this.
1: <laughs> you at home, you have to do the rest of the work. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, let's keep talking.
0: That's good. Thank you guys for listening. Right. And thank you, Matt and Ben, for engaging in discussion.
2: All right. Groovy. Doing? Groovy.
0: If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast... Feel free to email B Sadler at victoryoftheLamb dot B S A D L E R at victoryoftheLamb If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song "My Name." Hello.